بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزائن علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين One of the points about Revelation, which is the point three in the paper, is that although receiving divine revelation means direct communication from God, and again I repeat, when I say direct communication, I mean no other human being is involved. Maybe an angel is involved, but I mean no human being is involved. For receiving direct communication from God, we should know that this is not something easy, this is not something that happens often, this is not something that happens to majority of people, but at the same time, this is something that has happened more than, you know, few times. Because some people are shocked, are surprised, or find it difficult to believe that God speaks to people. If you read the Quran, you find that some people, when they were faced with prophets, they used to say, this is strange, this is not acceptable, how God speaks to you, we don't accept. And sometimes they were asking for some types of miracles which were not making sense. In Aqaid, we talked about them, that if, for example, they said, if you are right, ask God to kill us. Send us something from the sky to kill us. Which doesn't make sense because the prophets bring miracles to guide people, not to kill people. Okay? So, they found it difficult or maybe they didn't want to accept. Anyway, what the Quran tells us is that no one should be surprised. Because God has spoken to many people. Unfortunately, even sometimes the people of the book who were aware of many prophecies before Islam, they had difficulty, some of them, in accepting a new revelation from God, which is Islam. So, in chapter 10, verse 2, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Is it a wonder for people that we have revealed to a man among them? Why they wonder why they think it is strange. If you want also Arabic, it's Akana Lina Sajaban and Awhaina Ila Rajulin Minhum and Andhirinas Wabashir Ladina Amanu and Nalahum Kadama Sedgan and Rabbi. Is it a wonder for people that we have revealed to a man, men whom among them, to warn people and to give good news and bashara to the believers that they would have a true standpoint with the Lord? One of the things that you can use for supporting the discussion we had about truth. You remember we were talking about truthfulness? Is this ayah an ayah similar to this ayah? Qadam or Maqad which shows the significance of truth. Uh, anyway, so no one should be surprised or should wonder. In the course of history, there have been many prophets. The prophet Adam, Allah Nabiina wa alihi wa alihi salam, was the first prophet and Prophet Muhammad was the last and all together the Quran talks about 25 prophets these are the prophets that the Quran mentions them but the Quran itself tells us that there are many prophets that we haven't mentioned their names so it's not just only those prophets who are mentioned by name, they are prophets. 
in chapter 40, verse 58. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We have sent messengers before you. Of course, Rasul is different from Nabi. Every Rasul is Nabi, but every Nabi is not Rasul. We said the number of Rasul are 313. So Allah says, before you we sent many messengers, many Rasul, many apostles. Menhum man qasasna alayk. Some of them, we have mentioned their stories to you. And there are many prophets that we didn't talk about them, many messengers that we didn't talk about them in the Quran. Okay? So, 25 prophets are mentioned in the Quran, and many are not mentioned by name. According to Hadith, 124,000 prophets were there. So considering the population of people, it's a good number. It's a good number. And in some periods of time, actually, there were more than one prophet. <laughs> Sometimes there were tens of the prophets living in a certain time. As you know, in one day, Bani Israel killed 70 prophets. In morning, early morning, they killed 70 prophets and then they opened their shops. Business was normal. So, So, it means that there were so many prophets that they were able to find 70 of them in one place. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, pardon? Which one? Chapter 40, which is Surah Qafir, verse 78. Among those 124,000 Nabi, 313 are Rasul. Among those 313, how many are Ulul Azm? Five. Five. These are the prophets of great determination. Ulul Azm. Okay? In Aqaid, we discussed about these issues, uh, so I don't want to repeat. But just some of you may, be, may not be there. So we said this shows the significance of Azm, determination. Even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of all humanity, has selected 124,000. And then among them, he has further selected 313. And then among them, he has selected five people. How he describes them? Ulul Azm. This shows the significance of Azm, determination. With determination, you can achieve, I don't say everything, but almost everything. I'm not saying everything, but anything which is reasonable, inshallah you will achieve. If not, dunya in akhirah. With determination. Without determination, you cannot succeed. So, one of the things that Talab need is determination. Because many obstacles will come in front of your studies and in front of your uh, pursuit of nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only with determination you can face the challenges. Okay? So this is something that we should inshallah try to have. May Allah give all of us inshallah this azm. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to Adam alayhi salam, in contrast to Ulul Azm. What does Allah say about Adam? Lam najid lahu azma. 
we didn't find determination in Adam. Okay? So it means that determination is such a big thing that Allah, when he wants to tease Adam, <laughs> says, Lam najad lahu azma, but these are fasbir kama sabara ulul azme menar rusul. Of course, Prophet Adam has excuse to say, I was the first person and I had no experience and I couldn't get lesson from anyone's lives, but we don't have any excuse. Yeah? Because we can get lots of lessons from other people. The Quran says, We did not send any before you except as men to whom we revealed. So all the prophets who were sent by God, they received revelation. But does it mean they all received books? No. The, every Nabi received revelation, but not that they all received books. Some of them just received revelation which enabled them to preach the book of the last Rasul. Okay, so if they lived in the time of Musa salam, or they lived after Musa, before the next messenger came, they preached the book of Musa salam. Okay, so it's not that every prophet had a book, but every prophet received revelation. And that was to make sure that they have authentic book, because the books sometimes were not preserved. Authentic understanding of it and also authentic presentation of that. So Wahi is not always to teach new Sharia or new book. In the Quran, other than the Quran, we find mention of the book of Abraham, chapter 87, verse 19, the Psalms of David, Chapter 4, verse 163, and chapter 17, verse 55, Torah of Moses in many verses, and Gospel, Injil of Isa, salam. So other than the Quran, we have four books mentioned in the Quran. But there were more, but four are mentioned in the Quran. The yes, David, Zabur, Psalms of David. Next point. This point is very important, like other points. <laughs> okay. So, there is a consistency in all instances of divine revelation. How can you expect God to speak in the way which would be self-contradictory? It's impossible. Even a wise person would not contradict himself. God the Almighty, he has spoken to different prophets, but they are all giving the same message. In essence, there is no difference. Why? Because the sender is the same. And the people who are meant to benefit from this are human beings, and human beings are the same. In essence, we are the same. So the message has to be the same in essence. Yes, there are differences in different times. So there can be differences in some details. For example, the depth of message can change. When we come forward, the revelation becomes more sophisticated. Yeah? Because human beings are developing in their understanding. Or in the beginning, because the message was not going to be preserved by people, then Allah was not giving them something permanently. Allah was giving them something. And then again, he had to send them again and details were changing, but at the end, when they were able to preserve the message, 
and when they were able to get the principles and draw the details from the principles, Allah gave them the last and final message. We discussed this in Khatmun Nubuwa in Aqa'id. So we don't repeat. Those who are not there, inshallah, they can refer to the discussion we had about Khatmun Nubuwa. So there are differences in details, there are differences in depth, there are differences in message becoming more abstract, more theoretical, but the essence is the same. And this is why we as Muslims are required to accept all the books, all the revelations, all the prophets. Even if you say, I don't believe in one of the prophets or in one of the books, this shows that you have no faith. In Surah Baqarah, verse 285, which is the penultimate verse, and we sometimes repeat after Salat, we say, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ Rasulullah believed in the revelation which was sent to him. Wal-mu'minun, and the believers. So, first is to believe in the Quran, in the last message. But then, kullun amana billah wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rasulihi. Rasulullah and mu'mineen believe in Allah, they believe in the angels, they believe in all the books and all the messengers. We cannot discriminate against any messenger. We cannot say, I accept this and I don't accept that. Because they are all good. You cannot have any issue with any of them. If you have any issue with any of them, it means that you have issue with the one who has sent them, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, we believe in all the prophets and all the prophecies. The next point is about point five. Different ways that God has spoken to people. This needs more attention. Please refresh your brain. <laughs> we are in need of more attention. Surah Shura, which is chapter 42, verse 51. A'udhu billahi rajim Wa ma kana li basharin An yukallimahullah Illa wahyan Aw min wara'i hijab Aw yursila rasoolan Fayuhi bi'idhnihi ma yasha Innahu aliyun hakim Allah says, no human being. <coughs> so we are talking about human beings. As far as we know, only human beings receive wahi. Jinns don't receive wahi. So they follow human prophets. Okay? They follow Prophet Muhammad, they follow Jesus, they follow Moses. They don't have prophets of themselves. Okay? But we have prophets from ourselves, men anfusihim. Okay? Rasulun men anfusikum, men anfusihim. Okay. No human being can be spoken by God. An yukallimahullah. Except in one of the three ways. So we are talking about different types of receiving wah. The first type is wahi. We were talking about three types of wahi. And the first is wahi. So here, wahi is used in a narrower sense. Okay? As a talabe, you have to be very alert. You cannot, you know, find meaning of a word in dictionary and then interpret the Quran based on that. The same word in Quran can be used in different senses. Even in one verse. In one verse, one word can have two meanings. For example, 
when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, aminu. So the first amana with the second are different in meaning. Otherwise it doesn't make sense to say, oh, those who have faith, have faith. It's tahsila hasil. So even in the same verse, one term which comes from the same root can mean something and another term from the same root can mean something else. So you have to be very careful. Which one? Surah Shura 42 verse 51. So, no man, no human being can be spoken by God except in one of the three ways. First, wahyan. What does wahyan here mean? It means a special type of wahy. When directly God communicates. Inshallah, I will explain later that this has different types. Even the first type has some subtypes. Second, Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks from behind a whale. Okay? So you see the whale, but you don't see who is behind the whale. Okay? This is one way that ladies who have hijab should be proud. Because even Allah sometimes speaks from behind hijab. So when ladies have hijab and they speak from behind hijab, in this sense, it's similar. Pardon? Yes. Like Musa alayhi salam. When Musa alayhi salam saw the fire and went towards the fire, there was a bush. And then he heard the voice which addressed Musa. He didn't see God. He didn't see any angel. He heard the voice from that bush or that tree. We have it uh, in Dua Nudbe also. So, Musa alayhi salam in that case, received the way min vara'i hijab, from behind a whale. Okay? Of course, this whale is not something that God is hiding <coughs> behind it. Okay? This is the whale which is something from dunya, and we hear a voice from this worldly object, but the one who is creating that voice is not in dunya. You remember we said between the other world and this world, there are some like gates, yeah? Some channels. One of the channels is this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to a person by creating voice which goes to his ear. But Allah is not here in this world. Okay? Pardon? No. With respect to phone, even the, the one who speaks over phone to you, he's in dunya. Okay? He's in dunya and he's speaking to you. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have voice because he doesn't have, you know, mouth and throat. Okay? He creates the voice. Okay? He's not speaking like us. He creates the voice. So, this is the second type. The third type. O yursila rasulan. The third type is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a messenger. Which here means an angel. Because we are talking about Bashar. The Bashar who receives why sometimes this why comes to him through an angel who is a messenger bringing Allah's 
message to him. Okay? So, these are three types of receiving wah. Now, let us go to further details. In the paper, you find that for the first type, which is wahyan, which is direct communication, there are two subtypes mentioned. One, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala projects a suggestion, an idea into the heart or mind of a prophet. So he understands the message. It can be a command, it can be a prohibition, or it can be a piece of truth, an important truth. Pardon? It's like Elham, but to a prophet with all the things that we said about Revelation. Because Elham, <coughs> sometimes the one who is inspired, he doesn't know it is uh, from God. But a prophet with all the things that we said before, sometimes an idea is directly, I mean not, not through an angel, not from hijab. Directly an idea is put in his heart or mind. Sometimes it's more than idea. Sometimes it comes with verbal expression. Okay? So it's important. Sometimes it comes with verbal expression. Sometimes it doesn't come with verbal expression. For example, when Prophet Ibrahim, in his dream, he understood that he must slaughter Ismail, okay, the Quran says, he said to his son, Ya bunayya, inni ara fil manam, inni azbahuk. Okay, he understood it, but there was no verbal expression that Isbah Ismail, there was no such a thing. He understood the idea, he got the idea, but there was no verbal expression. But sometimes there is verbal also, expression so he receives directly some words speech so these are two types of the first then the second from behind a whale from behind a hijab Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes speaks to prophets in this way <coughs> And as we discussed, the very famous case is Musa alayhi salam. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him from behind the whale. According to some hadith, when Rasulullah went for Mi'raj in his ascension to the sky, also there were cases that Allah spoke to him from behind the whale. Okay? This is according to some hadith. The third is by sending a messenger, an angel. This angel can be Jibra'il. But it's not that all the prophets had the privilege of having Jibra'il coming to them. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was often Jibra'il who was bringing wahy. This is actually an example of how Rasulullah was spoken behind the veil in the Miraj. So, which are the so in Miraj, sometimes he heard a voice. Okay? He heard a voice. Even in, there are some descriptions about uh, whose voice was that voice. I don't want to mention. So. There were some cases that Rasulullah heard the voice. Okay? So, the voice was coming. But Rasulullah was not seeing anyone. Rasulullah was not seeing, you know, uh, uh, Jibra'il or was not seeing, the, for example, uh, anyone who is speaking to him. So, that's... Uh, we leave it for... Uh, yeah, something. So, the third is... 
the third is the the third is sometimes Allah sends angels and as I said it's not very common that Jibrail comes for all the prophets but for Rasulullah it was often the case that Jibrail was coming and Allah refers to this point in several cases in the Quran if you go to verse 192 of chapter 26 2692. Quran is revelation from Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of all the universes or inhabitants of the world. Then verse 193 says, Nazala Behi Aruhul Amin. And then the next verse says, Allah Galbika Litakuna Minal. Mundreen. Then the next verses, Mubin. These verses are very short. So these are four verses: 192, 93, 94, 95. So this revelation, means the faithful spirit, the faithful, the trusted. Uh, Ruh means spirit, which is Jibra'il. So Jibra'il brought to you this message. Allah He brought it down to your heart. So that you become one of the warners, prophets. In clear Arabic language. Here, Arabic definitely means Arabic because it says Mubin. Because Arabic sometimes is clear. But here, because Mubin is mentioned, so Arabic means Arabic. So clear Arabic language. <coughs> this is very good for us for another point. Inshallah, later I will make another point that Quran definitely came with wording. Quran didn't come only as meaning. This ayah is very important. Inshallah, later we come back to this ayah. Another verse is 97 of Surah Baqarah. If you go to Surah Baqarah, verse 97. Some people, unfortunately, some people of the book who believed in Jibra'il, they developed enmity towards Jibra'il. قُلْ مَنْ كَانَ عَدُوًّا لِجِبْرِيلِ فَإِنَّهُ نَزَّلَهُ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Why you are enemies of Jibrail? Jibrail didn't decide by himself. If you are not happy with message coming to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you shouldn't think that it was Jibrail's guilt. Okay? Whoever is an enemy of Jibrail, Gabriel, they should know. Of course, they should know is not mentioned in the Quran, but it says fa'inna means they should know that truly Gabriel brought it to your heart with the permission from God, with the blessing of Allah, which means with the choice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say bi'ithnillah here means with the permission. From Allah So, in many cases, Jibra'il was bringing revelation to Rasulullah, and it has been said in our <coughs> books that Jibra'il always, he didn't always come to Rasulullah in the same way. Sometimes, the angel, maybe Jibra'il, deposits the revelation in the spirit of the prophet. So, it's like the first type. The idea is put, but by the angel, not by God. Sometimes the angel comes in the form of a human being and speaks to the prophet. 
like you know for example uh, we have for lady maryam of course, this was not prophetic revelation, but was an angel bringing a message. Or, for example, in the case of Prophet Ibrahim and his wife. So, sometimes in the case of prophets, also uh, an angel comes and takes the form of a human being. According to some hadith, Jibra'il sometimes when he wanted to appear to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he used to appear in the shape of Dehye Kalbi. Dehye Al-Kalbi who was the fostered brother of the Prophet. So people maybe thought he's a human being. But it was Jibra'il who was taking the form of... Pardon? Yes, they could see him. They could see him, but they could not understand the why. This uh, the foster brother of the Prophet, you said something about him, because we haven't heard about him before. I've mm. heard it only in these lectures here. You said something more about him. What's the importance of him? He was, uh, again, uh, fostered by Lady Halima, mm. and uh, was a good person. We don't <coughs> know that much uh, details about but. It's interesting that he must be a good person and also good-looking person that Jibra'il appeared in the form of that person. The third is sometimes the angel calls in the ears of the prophet like a bell. And like a bell. And some ulama say that this is very difficult and perhaps one of the most difficult types of receiving. You know, imagine if you, there is a very huge bell and then you go and your ear is next to the bell. It's very painful it's because it's very strong. Yes. Yes, yes. Very strong. Of course, you have to understand that these are just descriptions so that we get an idea. No one can understand what is why unless he receives why. Yeah? Because we have no idea, so these expressions have been used. We say like a bell. Okay? But it's not a bell. It's just something that you can get an idea. And another type that ulama have mentioned is that sometimes Gabriel <coughs> appears in the same form that God has created him. If you read history when Rasulullah in the cave of Hera for the first time received revelation, he describes according to some text that he saw Jibreel everywhere. All the sky was filled with Jibra'il. Okay? Even this is even this is just a description. Because Jibra'il is much greater than a sky, than horizon. But this is the way that Rasulullah can explain to us. So this is <coughs> the different types of the third. So the third by itself has four subtypes. In all these cases, what is important is that the message comes <coughs> clearly because the point, the purpose is to guide humanity. If the prophet who is the first one to receive the message has no clear idea about the message, then what about other people who are going to be guided through him? So, in all these cases, the message is clear. <coughs> Why Allah chooses different ways of speaking to people? Why sometimes it's wahyan, sometimes in bara'i hijab, sometimes yourself rasulan? It can depend on the condition of the Prophet in that particular time, or the 
rank of the prophet in general what some prophets are higher than other prophets it can depend on the message itself what is that message how important is that message so depending on different factors Allah has chosen different ways to communicate but in all these cases what is important is the message of God and it comes with clear presentation so now we move on to the next point which is about Quran being immune Quran is protected against any change any alteration any increase or decrease Alhamdulillah we had this also in Aqaid so this is very important you remember we said that no one has ever suggested that something has been added to the Quran the only thing is that some people think that something has has gone missing maybe there were some verses that are not there our Sunni brothers in their books of hadith they have the idea of naskhut tilawa they said there were some verses that later Muslims were asked not to recite them naskhut tilawa and also in some Shia sources there are some hadith that there were some verses that are not there neither Sunni should accuse Shia nor Shia should accuse Sunni and say they believe that something is missing because honestly practically no Muslim today believes that something from the Quran is missing there are some hadith that we leave them for the scholars to discuss and we know as far as Shia are concerned Ahlul Bayt have taught us that the same Quran between the two covers is revealed to Prophet Muhammad and there is no doubt about it no single word has been taken out or has been added so if we don't accept tahrif if we don't accept that anything has been added then we said we can use the same Quran to refute the idea of decrease okay so no one says something has been added so whatever we have is Quran even those who say something is missing then we can use this Quran against them when Allah says inna nahnu zikr wa inna lahu or la aziz la la min wa la min I don't want to discuss it here because we discussed this in Aqaid in details please Go back to your notes on this point in Aqaid. Yeah, they have some verses in some of the hadith books, you know, Saha, that, for example, Raza'atul Kabir, things like this, and they say these verses were there, but they should not be recited and they should not be acted upon this is a kind of justification but alhamdulillah they don't believe in it and we should take it simple we don't want to make this a big thing and we hope everyone understands that there is no benefit for islam if we bring these things because if sunni say shia believe in quran's tahrif and shia say sunni believe then non-muslims may take this as advantage they say okay they themselves you know they themselves have accepted something is missing alhamdulillah there is no ambiguity in this issue and all the muslims i think accept that quran is the same quran and one of the alhamdulillah good things that recently has happened is uh, this Quran which is found in Birmingham uh, and Alhamdulillah uh, they have also published uh, the four pages that are uh, available from this Quran of course we don't need uh, this because as we said in Aqaid the 
way we have received Quran through Tawatur leaves no chance for any change. And the number of the memorizers, the way Quran was written down, the way Rasulullah trained people to write the Quran, Amirul Mu'mineen, all these things that we mentioned, Aqaid, so we have no doubt. But Alhamdulillah, now there is also evidence available to other people. So this Quran, which is now found, uh, of course, it was there, but they didn't know the significance of it. So one PhD student, for her research, uh, she asked this to be uh, radiocarbonated, and then, alhamdulillah, they found it's very, very early. They say the person who wrote this, maybe he has heard Rasulullah himself, and uh, I have the leaflet, which was because recently they invited Muslim leaders uh, in Birmingham to watch it, and alhamdulillah, one of the brothers uh, gave me this. And now, based on this, they managed to find another Quran in France mm -hmm. that seems to be written by the same person. So, few more parts of that Quran is now available. And if you look at this, you fi can find many good points. Inshallah, later we'll talk about it. But just now, for example, it starts with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim for every surah. For example, one page has Surah Maryam, end of Surah Maryam, and then Surah Kahf, chapter 19 and 20. So first of all, this shows that as we have been claiming, the chapters were organized in the beginning. It's not that sometime later. So Surah Maryam is before Surah Kahf. And also the beginning of Surah Kahf is, uh, sorry, Taha, I said Kahf? Taha. Surah Maryam 19, Taha 20. In the beginning of Surah Taha is, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Taha ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'ana latashqa. Because the Shia have the idea that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim was revealed in the beginning of all surahs except Surah Tawbah. So the, the organization of the chapters is important. The beginning with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is very important. And Alhamdulillah, this is not found in a Shia country. It's found in a, a neutral place. Okay? So it's not that something anyone can question. So there are four pages that, inshallah, after class you can see and from different chapters. So I think this is a good evidence also for uh, people who may not be familiar with the history of Islam and the way Quran was preserved. So at least for them from a scientific point of view, uh, even uh, the brother who was in the presentation, I asked him, what did they say exactly about the ink? Because some people say maybe the, you know, the, it's not paper, but you know, what has been used, but a skin or, you know, whatever it was. They say maybe it was old, but later they erased what was written on it and they wrote Quran. But I asked him, what about the ink? He said, of course, it's not necessarily ink. Maybe they used, you know, some other chemicals or some material. But they said, even that is old. It's not just the uh, skin. Even the material that they used for writing, it's old. And this was mentioned in their meeting. We don't know who wrote it, but uh, it's Hejazi style. And it's very early. So there are some information about it in the leaflet, but uh, also on the website. But we don't know who was the person who wrote it. Maybe even can be a great personality, maybe. We, we don't know. But uh, we hope that, inshallah, more you know, discoveries would come. So it's interesting that <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we are in greater need for support, also sometimes brings you know, support, you know. And inshallah, more to come. Inshallah, we hope. So, Quran is immune. 
And this puts us in a very good position that our book is, alhamdulillah, available as it has been revealed exactly without any change. The other point, point seven, is that Quran has originated from Allah's knowledge. Okay? And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Quran, the way it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad was bilhaq. Jibra'il brought it bilhaq. Rasulullah received it bilhaq. And he is delivering it also bilhaq. Uh, in the discussion about uh, truthfulness, we discussed these issues. There are also some references in the paper. I'm not going to repeat. You can find it. <coughs> the other point, which is very important, I said we need this point later, is Quranic revelation involved wording. This is very important. Sometimes when Allah communicated to people, it didn't involve wording. We accept that. Sometimes it didn't involve wording. For example, one way of differentiating between Hadith Qudsi and Quran or Injil or Torah is this. You know Hadith Qudsi? Divine saying? Hadith Qudsi is from God and the receiver is a prophet. But it is not Quran. It is not, for example, if it was to Dawood, it is not Psalms. Hadith Qudsi is where God communicates to a prophet. And one way that technically some scholars have differentiated, they said that Hadith Qudsi doesn't have wording. It's just meaning. Wording. It doesn't come with wording. So, for example, there are Hadith Qudsi between God and Allah, there was communication. Some scholars say that in Hadith Qudsi, Prophet received the meaning, but then he expressed it by his own selection of words. This is Hadith Qudsi. In the case of the Quran, the selection of the words was not made by Rasulullah. This is very important. Both the meaning and the words are selected by God. You remember we said that even Rasulullah's hadith are different from Quran. Anyone who is familiar with prophetic hadith finds that they are very beautiful, very short, okay? Very short. Normally, the sentences of Rasulullah's hadith are very short, very concise, very deep, but totally different from the Quran. And also, hadith of Rasulullah totally different from Nahjul Balagh. You know, they had their own styles. Quran's words are made. The selection is made by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, not by Rasulullah. This is very important because, unfortunately, some people say that the meaning was coming from God. Then Rasulullah chose how to express it. And then they say, this side is not divine. Rasulullah had to use the framework theological, conceptual, philosophical framework that was making sense to people of that time. So he chose this way of expressing the message of God. <clears throat> Therefore, this is not divine. This can change. Okay? This can change. Maybe Rasulullah said something which was suitable for the culture of that time. This is not what I am saying. I am saying some people say this, okay? Okay, if, if someone is extracting from the video, should be careful. <laughs> so some people say this. So they want to say the core message is from God. The wording 
the articulation is from Rasulullah. Therefore, there can be changes. How they came up with this idea? They borrowed this from what some people have said about the Bible. Okay? Because, for example, in the case of four Gospels, okay, currently, not always, but currently, the view is this. In the past, there was different view. But currently, the view is that the four Gospels are written down by those four people, Luke, Matthew, John, and Mark, based on the ministry of Jesus. What Jesus said, what Jesus did, what happened, they wrote it down. The words are their words. The conceptual framework is theirs. But why it is sacred, why it is holy? Because they were inspired by Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit inspired them. Okay? So, in this way, they have tried to preserve the sacredness of the text. Okay? Because the meanings were sacred. The inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. But they also allow for conflicts between these four Gospels. So, because sometimes there are conflicts between the four. And also sometimes there are ideas that they may not accept. Okay? So they may say, this is based on the scientific view at that time. Because at that time, people had this type of scientific view. They spoke in this way. This is not, it has nothing to do with the revelation or with the ministry of the, of course, Jesus was the revelation, but ministry of Jesus. Anyway, some people have thought in this way, they can make the Quran a book whose essence is from God, but the wording is from Rasulullah. Even one of these people, he says, if Rasulullah had lived longer, the Quran would have become longer. <laughs> and we say, if the Quran was in need of being longer, Allah would have made Rasulullah live longer. Because Rasulullah's life has to be determined according to the Quran, not vice versa. If Allah was not able to give us everything in those 60, 63 years, and there was something still there to tell us, Allah should have kept Rasulullah alive. Or they say, Quran is Arabic because Rasulullah was speaking Arabic. But we say no. If the, there was another language which was better serving the purpose of Allah, Allah should have chosen that language. Anyway, this has lots of impacts, lots of implications. For them, it's not that everything in the Quran is sacred. So for example, if there is something in the Quran about inheritance, about, I don't know, qisas. So they say, there was an idea, but then Rasulullah, based on the culture, customs, conceptual framework, put it in this way. But we say no. Definitely, every word comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the paper, I have mentioned something from Allama Tabatabai, because he's an authority. And he says, the general belief of Muslims concerning the revelation based on the Quran, so this is something that you can argue from the Quran, inshallah we will do, is that the text of the Quran is the actual speech of God. Transmitted to the Prophet by one of his chosen angels. His means Allah's chosen angels, which is Jibra'il. The name of this angel or heavenly being is Gabriel or the faithful spirit, Ruhul Amin. He transmitted the word of God 
over a period of 23 years to the Prophet. Of course, when we say 23, we mean from the time it began till it ended. But you know that it was not always uh, a time of receiving wahy. Because there was a time that Rasulullah didn't receive wahy. And then it, again it was resumed. And when this ayah was revealed, Ma wadda'aka rabbuka wa ma qala. So from the beginning up to the end is 23 years. He would bring the divine instructions to the Prophet who would relate them faithfully to the people using the same words in the form of a verse. So Rasulullah was just relaying what he received to people. Then I have brought some evidence. First of all, the term Quran itself is very good evidence. Because Quran means something that can be read, uh, can be read. Okay? Inshallah, in a few minutes I finish so that you can have a break. The Quran means something which can be read. Means maqru. Quran means maqru. Okay? Something that can be read. Can such term be used for a meaning without wording? You can read a meaning or you can read a text. You, you can read a text. You cannot read meaning. Is it clear? Qara'a cannot be used for an idea or a meaning or concept without wording. Or kitab, which means something which can be written. Okay, maktub. Can you write down an idea or you write down words which express an idea? Idea cannot be written if you are careful. Maybe sometime when we are not speaking you know, accurately, we say, I wrote my idea on a piece of paper. But in reality, you cannot write your idea on a piece of paper. You have to use words that can indicate your idea. And then those words can be put on a piece of paper. Sohof. For example, in the Quran, we have the concept of Sohof in chapter 98, verses 2 and 3. A messenger from God reciting purified pages. Yatlu sohofan mutahara. Okay? Sahifa means something which has pages. Sahifa. Okay? Today they use it for newspaper. They say sahifa. Sohof. Chalamullah. Chalam means word, not meaning. Qawl. Means a speech. And then, in addition to these titles, we have also verbs which are used. For example, means read. So it must be a text. Or Telawa. Telawa is for text. Tartil is again for reading a text. So, Quran definitely involves wording. Also, when Allah says, Arabian mubin. Even Allah says Arabic language. Language is for words or for ideas? For words. Ideas have no language. The words have language. There are also many, many hadiths which refers to the Qur'an being a text. I mentioned only one here as an example. Therefore, based on this, which is, I don't think there is any doubt about it. If someone is familiar with the Qur'an, has no doubt that the Qur'an involved wording. Therefore, Muslims have the idea that only Qur'an 
with these words is Quran. If you translate it into another language, which may indicate the same ideas, this is not Quran. Even if you rewrite it in Arabic, okay, this is not Quran. These words are important because these words are selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? It's very important. If we know that, for example, if there is an object, you know that God has chosen that object. Suppose, for example, there is a pen that we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this pen. How do you feel about that pen? You feel very special. Huh? You cannot even maybe for a moment turn your face away from that pen. If you know that Allah loves this pen. So what about these words? That every single letter of this word is selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah loves this word. So it's very special. Very Important. Unfortunately, some people don't understand the significance of the Quran and say those ideas that are borrowed and imported from other religions. Uh, I think I should stop here because this is point nine and maybe you need some rest. So, inshallah, we'll continue this inshallah next week.